Hello, everyone, and welcome to the SMC Career Paths podcast. I am your host, Tim Birmingham. Today's episode is a recording of the Career Conversations for the Life Sciences event that happened in February. Apologies for just getting this out now. It was a great event, and it featured two recent alumni, uh, Catherine Record and Molly Rausch, and they talk about their careers in occupational and physical therapy. There's a lot of great information in this one. Hope you enjoy, and as usual, please subscribe to the podcast. Please scan that QR code to the right, fill out the little Google form, and it'll enter you in for the, the uh, prizes. Um, the, pri- the prizes and, and this night's session is sponsored by both Career Education and the Uplift program from St. Mike's. And, um, you know, it, it, it's a way of, of broadening your horizons, and that's what I think Molly and Catherine will do for us this evening. Um, this is the first session uh, this year of the Career Conversations for the Life Sciences, which started, I believe, last year, that, that series. And um, we'll have another session in about a month. Does that sound right, Mark? Yeah, it, within, within the next month, there'll be another session that you can look out for advertisements for. Um, February 28th, but, uh, I think, is the actual date, but I'll send out announcements. Sure. And um, so let me just quickly introduce you to... Um, Two great students um, and alumni of St. Mike's um, uh, that are here as part of our careers in occupational therapy and physical therapy talks. Um, we have Catherine Record and uh, Molly Rausch, both graduate, uh, graduated with biology majors in 2017. Um, and um, Catherine uh, went to UNE for OT uh, school and graduated in 2019, has been a, a practicing OT for about two and a half years now, working at um, Communication Innovations Pediatric Therapy Centers, and, um, and, and then Molly Rausch, who happens to be also my physical therapist, um, went to University of Vermont um, uh, for PT and graduated in 2021 um, and works now just down the road at Essex Physical Therapy off Susie Wilson. Um, so I will stop sharing the screen and um, uh, let me just see if I can figure out how to do that quickly. There we go. Um, and um, then I'll let them speak. So thank you for coming. Yeah, um, I'm glad you reached out and asked us to do this because I was chatting with Catherine saying how it just felt like <clears throat> full circle, honestly, to be able to go to St. Mike's and, you know, with the goals and aspirations of being in the medical field and for me being a PT and just to come back and be able to talk about it is kind of an honor and like I said full circle so thank you very much yeah I echo all that Molly said um it's cool so also communications innovations is in Wisconsin so I moved to Wisconsin after I graduated from UNE um and I've been out here ever since so if you're like looking for jobs in New England not my company (laughs) (laughs) all right so Do you want me to start things off a little bit? Yeah, go for it. All right. So we are given a couple things or a couple prompts to talk to you all about today. So uh, I'll just kick it off with why I chose this career path. So just for a reminder, I'm a physical therapist. Um, I didn't 100% know that I was going to pursue PT like fully, which is why I think St. Mike's was a great option because I was a biology major. So that opened up a lot of doors because it wasn't just, I wasn't specifically um, doing like a pre-med program. Um, So I really enjoyed that I was able to just do biology and have other options other than just a medical uh, profession. But anyway, um, I knew at some point, probably in high school, that I wanted to be in the medical field. I just didn't know what to what capacity. And I also knew that I wanted to help people get better and get the most out of their lives and just be able to participate in the things that matter the most to them. Um, and I also wanted to have a flex, more flexible work schedule. So in, in some healthcare careers, obviously a flexible work schedule isn't always an option, but I definitely found that with uh, physical therapy specifically that I would have flexibility. So those are kind of the things that initially got me interested in wanting to be a PT. 
Um, and for me, it's kind of like not an opposite story, but I I knew I wanted to be an OT since I was in like seventh grade. Um, so the one interesting thing, I guess, is that I chose to go to St. Mike's, even though I knew I wanted to be an OT, knowing that there wasn't like a free OT program, um, because I thought the liberal arts education was just what I wanted for myself, even though I knew that I wanted to do the health career and specifically OT. Um, and yeah, I just, when I was in seventh grade, I intended a, um, medical summer camp, which wouldn't be for everyone, but my parents, my grandfather was a doctor and my grandmother was a nurse and I was at their hospital and they, uh, wanted me to go. So I did and loved it. And I just remember an OT came in to talk about OT and PT and just something about that talk like stuck with me and um I wanted to do it ever since then and then I had a couple of cousins that went through OT and seeing how much it helped them just made me realize that that's what I wanted to do um so I like shadowed OTs in high school and then once I got to St. Mike's I did some more shadowing of OTs and started my um, graduate program two weeks after I graduated from St. Mike's. So it was a pretty quick, pretty quick turnaround there. Um, but that's what worked well for me. All right. So <clears throat> some other things that we kind of were thinking of chatting with you about is like, how did St. Mike's help contribute to me getting into this profession? or even what set me apart when I got to grad school. So initially um, there was a P, there was a pre-PT program at St. Mike's when I, when I was applying to St. Mike's. I think that went away maybe my sophomore year. I don't really remember, but anyway, um, having known that there was a pre-PT program also was something that piqued my interest in going to St. Mike's and being there. But in general, all the prerequisite courses that I needed were offered at St. Mike's, so it was great. I didn't have to go to um, take any of the additional courses at another like college campus or university, which sometimes is the case. But all the, the prereqs that I needed were offered at St. Mike's, so that was something that contributed. <clears throat> but in general, what I felt set me apart, especially when I got to grad school, was we have to do so many presentations. I felt like we had to do a lot of public speaking at St. Mike's um, and give a lot of presentations and a lot of small, intimate classroom settings where you had to communicate one-on-one. -on -one. And that wasn't the case with a lot of my classmates when I got to grad school. And I could see that that really set me apart from them. Um, whereas maybe I wasn't always scoring the highest on my exams once I got into PT school. Whenever we had to do like group presentations or projects or meet with people in the community or, or even now when I'm working with patients, I see that that has set me apart to be able to talk to just about anyone. So that's definitely something that's helped out a lot. Yeah. And uh, for me, one of the reasons I chose St. Mike's, like I said before, is like the liberal arts sort of thing. So um, like a lot of my classmates at UNE came from like a pre-OT schooling so I remember my first like couple weeks, it was like, oh, they know so much more about this career than I do. But then as we kept going, it was like, oh, but I have all this beneficial knowledge of the world and just any anything and everything that you learn at St. Mike's. Um, I was also really involved in MOVE and I ran a mentoring program, the International Outreach. Um, so I think that also like kind of what Molly was saying, like set me apart from my classmates that I had a lot of volunteer experience and a lot of experience, um, like creating programming and creating all this stuff that is beneficial once you're actually in grad school. Um, and it was really helpful actually starting grad school two weeks after graduating, uh, despite that being a crazy two weeks. Um, like I was already in the swing of writing papers and studying and like sitting in a library for hours, um, which I thought was super, super helpful as I was entering into a new world of grad school work. Um, and also I have a distinct memory of one of my first advising, or maybe it's like second advising sessions with Lubs. Um, and he 
he was like, oh, yep, and you're going to have to take physics. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. I thought for OT, physics isn't typically a, a prereq. And he was like, you're right. And then crossed it off my my planning sheet for all my prereqs and how to get those all done in time. And, like, that was the best feeling. I was like, sweet, I'm good. I can do all my, like, psychology classes and those things that are more OT geared than having to take physics, which was wonderful. Um, so, yeah. All right. Um, so kind of what I wanted to get into was a little bit of what the path to PT school looks looks like in general, but also what it looked like for me. So different than what Catherine did, um, where she went right into grad school after graduating from St. Mike's, I took a year um, and I used my bio degree to work as a quality assurance technician for a local um, manufacturer in Vermont. And for me, I felt like that was a really great opportunity because it um, gave me like a Vermont residency. So working for a year allowed me to, once I applied to UVM, um, be considered an in-state student, which if that's something that, if you know, if you're thinking and considering the money aspect of grad school, um, being able to do something like that does make a huge difference. So that's just a little bit of my little side note of what I did before PT school, but um, the path to getting there, I won't go into the classes specifically unless afterwards people have questions. Um, but there are, I think, a number of, there's a, a decent number of prerequisites, but like I said earlier, they're, they're all offered at St. Mike's. Um, so you'll be all set if you take those. But how to be a strong applicant um, and to kind of stand out when you are applying to PT school and specifically things that, um, like Catherine was saying, that we could do at St. Mike's and then I, I did as well was like clubs, um, you know, the, uh, the extended, like the service trips, trying to remember what they're all called, but I did, we did a couple of like extended service trips um, and taking advantage of any opportunity you can to get into the community, but especially um, like traveling if you can, it's an opportunity through those trips across the country, just because it gives you that opportunity to see people from different backgrounds um, and really does set you apart. So those are things that just made me a better app uh, applicant for PT school. Um, but while I was there, I also did observational hours at, funny enough, the same clinic that I work at now. So. I observed um, a local PT. We have a really great community around here. If you're looking to um, get in just to see if PT is the direction you want to go in, um, the clinics are so willing and able to support students right now. So I would say those are things that can really set you apart and prepare you for applying to grad school. Yeah, and I've said it before, but I um, when I was applying to to grad school, I kind of took into account um, applying to only places that I actually wanted to live, um, which I know a lot of people kind of just apply to a bunch of places, but also talking about like the money aspect, applying to grad school can be pretty expensive, um, especially if you end up having to take the GRE and all of that stuff. Um, so I decided to only apply to two colleges, um, and that just worked out really well for me in my like junior and senior year of uh, St. Mike's. I was also doing observation hours, but I would do that when I went home for like spring break. Um, I observed like a school OT for a couple days and um, just was in contact with those people, which was helpful. Um, and then, yeah, also what Molly was saying, just getting involved on campus can really set you apart as an applicant, like for instance, I did move and I ran the mentoring group um, and that was my main thing, but that really showed me as a strong applicant because I truly managed a group of kids and I'm a pediatric OT, so um, I think that helped show like that I was really passionate about working with kids and working with people and working with people from all over the world. Um, and I also studied abroad, which of course you don't have to do, but it was a really cool experience and allowed me to to show these 
awesome experiences that I had and how they would relate to my future profession of working with lots of different people. All right, so kind of going in order here, how to succeed in grad school? Um, it's a great question. <laughs> um, clearly, Catherine and I, we did succeed because we made it out the other end. Um, but I would say I wrote down a few things that I found when I really thought about it to be the most, I don't know, helpful was first is establishing your, yourself with professors, which I, I found to be easy. And I think that's because of St. Mike's having those small, intimate classroom settings made it so much easier to feel comfortable talking to our professors. So that when I went to grad school, I felt like I could just carry that over there too. Um, and that helped out a lot, whether it was having to, you know, ask for advice from a professor or just go in and talk to them about an exam before or after, or, you know, it made it so much easier to succeed um, in PT school was having a good relationship with my professors. Uh, Cause that's not something that a lot of other students had if they went to a larger university, they just felt uncomfortable seeking out advice or help from um, our professors. So that was one thing. I'm not going to list off all of the things I wrote down. Um, but I would say also, if you haven't already, um, finding a note-taking strategy that works best for you and that can kind of be concise. When I was at St. Mike's, I don't know, I don't know what everyone does now, but I, I was still printing out all my slides and writing by hand on them. And when I got to PT school, everyone else seemed to have like an iPad or some sort of device that they're writing everything down on the slides on that. So really just making sure you have a good way of doing that. It's important now. It's also going to be important later. Um, and then I think the last one I have in here is really like finding two or three good study partners or people that you feel comfortable studying with. Even if you're the type of person who knows you study best alone, um, these professions are very hands-on um, interacting with people and patients and clients. So it's equally as important, even if you're good at studying by yourself, to have that contact with two or three other people who are also just going to hold you accountable um, and make sure you're trying to meet up with them like once a week to go over the things you're struggling with. So that's it. Yeah, I agree with everything Molly just said, um, especially the professors. And yeah, St. Mike set us up perfectly for that. Um, like the amount of times I was in the bio professor's offices just asking so many questions um, allowed me to be really comfortable doing that with my OT professors. And um, I built really strong connections with them. Um, and it's cool, like, especially, I guess, it's great to have connections with all your professors, but it's really cool to have connections in, with grad school professors, professors because they are in the field that you are going to be in. Um, so they are going to be super strong references for you. They're going to be your colleagues as soon as you graduate. <laughs> like all my professors made a point of that. Like I had an email or something. They're like, welcome to the field. And like, so great to have you as a colleague. I'm like, how am I your colleague now? That's insane. Um, but it's really cool. Um, and then also working with groups is awesome. Um, that helped me a lot. We had a group of like four or five of us who would study in the library together. And it was really nice to be able to just look up and ask the question um, because you're all doing the same work. You all have the exact same classes. You're all focused on just that work. Um, so it's helpful to have that, the people around you to support you. And that ended up being super helpful when studying for the board exam as well because um, that is a stressful test to study for. So having people around you that are going through the same thing is super helpful. Um, and then also to, I'm just echoing everything Molly said with this, but with the note taking, um, I remember showing up for my first couple of days of class with just a notebook because that's what I did at St. Mike's and trying to write down everything they said and it was impossible. And I did not use those notebooks for like the rest of my two years at UNE um, and started like downloading PowerPoints and typing in notes there. And that was much more sustainable for me. Um, and then, yeah, I feel like I just agree with everything Molly said. I don't have too much more to add other than just saying everything she said was correct. 
Okay. So now that I'm out of grad school and working, which I'm sure there'll be questions potentially about what that looks like and what it took to get to that point. But um, I want to talk a little bit about what my daily work life looks like. So right now um, I work in, as an, I'm an, I didn't say it earlier, I'm an outpatient orthopedic PT or like kind of like a, just a general PT right now working in a private clinic. Um, and I work four 10 hour days and I usually, as long as no one cancels or no shows, um, we'll work or we'll see nine patients a day. Um, and that can be a combination of like follow-up appointments or initial evaluations. It really just depends how the day plays out. Um, and so like for an, an example today, I wrote down the, some of the patients that I worked with today. Um, so someone had had a Someone came up with like knee, knee osteoarthritis, um, someone else with sciatic nerve pain and low back pain, um, rotator cuff strain, someone else who was post-op after a shoulder surgery. So a lot of it for what I am seeing is orthopedic based, but I do also work with, um, you know, people for balance impairments or um, post-concussion right now because of the pandemic too. I think we're seeing a lot more complex patients, but in general, um, that's sort of what I'm seeing more regularly right now. And I would say like the successes of my day to day, like work and the successes I feel like I have in my profession is um, I get to help people get back to doing what they really love to do. And that's always been important for me. Um, I get to teach people about their bodies and I get to educate people, which is just, I find it's really empowering for me to be able to do, but also to help people better understand what's going on with them. Um, and especially to be able to give them peace of mind is, I, I love that part of my job. Um, being a, a medical resource for patients. So even if I can't necessarily be the one to help them with what's going on, I can point them in the right direction and be someone that they can have contact with so that they don't feel like they're kind of lost out there in the medical world because it can get tricky and confusing. Um, and then some challenges. I would say that a lot of social media um, would probably have people believe a lot of maybe maladapted things about their body um, or just pop culture or, you know, having perfect posture or those sorts of things that we see like on social media all the time, like trying to help people realize what is and what isn't true that's out there is a challenge for sure. Um, some people don't want to hear it. Um, being a young therapist in a new grad is a big challenge sometimes, especially with older adults who just are like, what are you doing working with me? You're too young to be here. And they don't always take you seriously. Um, and I would also say that the pandemic has been a challenging time, a challenging time to come out and be a new therapist, because like I said, there are, people have a lot going on, um, whether they waited a long time to seek out medical attention or they are also just lonely because they haven't seen anyone in a long time. Um, or there's a lot of stress surrounding the pandemic. So I'd say like right now that's been challenging. Um, but in general, like I, do enjoy going to work every day and just making a difference in people's lives. So, yeah. Um, so I also work for 10 hour days. Um, that's just how my schedule kind of shook out after being through telehealth for COVID for a long time, um, which was very challenging. Um, so yeah, I work at a pediatric clinic. So my day looks a lot different than Molly's, I would say. Um, also, just my caseload obviously looks a lot different. Um, I think one of the biggest differences is in a pediatric outpatient OT, you have kids for a long time. Um, so some of the clients I've been seeing, I've been seeing for two and a half years. Like they're some of the first kids I like walk through the door, have been seeing them. Um, and if they have really complex needs, then you'll see them for a really long time. Um, because, you know, you don't, there's no quick solutions to a lot of the things that I, I see. And as kids, there's so much transition within the age range that I see um, that like some kids might be 
super successful and they're doing really great. And then all of a sudden they start middle school and it's like, whoa, this is crazy. What do I do in middle school? And then we work through that. And then they enter high school and work through that. And then they're looking for a job and work through that. Um, so I think that's a really cool part of my job is that we truly get to see these kids through their lives. Um, and I feel like I kind of become a part of the, the family for some of these families. Um, we joke, we have one family that just started seeing a new speech therapist, but I've been seeing um, their son for two and a half years. And they have not once emailed the speech therapist when they have to cancel speech therapy. They always email me because they just, they know me really well. And they think that I'm like their one contact at this clinic. And I'm like, you can just email Rose and she will cancel your appointment. But it also just like shows how entwined in their lives I am. Um, and what, what Molly was saying, being that resource um, that parents feel comfortable emailing me and asking questions and they want me a part of their IEP meetings and they want my advice on how to best handle going to the dentist next week. And, um, you know, you just, you see a lot of different things. Some of the diagnosis, diagnoses I see, like a lot of kids with autism, um, kids with Down syndrome, kids with um, just sensory processing disorders. Um, I also have a school contract right now. So my company does school contracts. So I kind of get to be two OTs, um, which is a school OT and an outpatient OT, which are very different things. Um, so that's been really interesting, just seeing how much difference there can be in one profession. Um, and yeah, my days are never the same, never predictable. Um, other than that, I see the same kids at the same time every day, like per week but then they, the kids can come in and it can be a completely different session than the week before. Um, I've also treated more of like the musculoskeletal um, things. We have a program at my clinic called the advanced program, which is an intensive therapy program for kids. So a lot of uh, cerebral palsy or like global developmental delay, things like that, um, where they're seen five days a week, four hours a day for four weeks. So it's super intensive therapy, um, and I'm on a team with some PTs, and usually I was the only OT, um, so I would see the kids twice a week, so for a total of eight hours, and then um, the PTs would see them for the rest of the week. So that has it also like challenges your brain um, a lot. Also, I've done a lot in my career. I'm also a feeding therapist now, um, so I work with kids with feeding challenges. Um, before COVID, I was also an aquatic therapist, so I did aquatics once a week, so in a pool with kids. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot that goes into that, and pediatrics is just one small part of OT. Um, there's so much more. I have friends that work in hospitals, nursing homes, uh, just other outpatient places, so there's a lot that goes into it, um, and there's a lot of success and a lot of failure, a lot of... I have things planned, but then it totally changes because the kid comes in and does not want to do that. Um, but it's a very rewarding career just seeing, uh, like recently I, I discharged one of my clients that was one of the first kids that I'd ever started seeing at CI. And that was super emotional for me and super emotional for his family just to see, to reflect on the progress that he had made in the two years that I had known him. Um, and just to see how bright his future is from here on out. It's, it's just really cool connecting with these kids and with their families. So for the most part, I think we've touched on all the things we wanted to, to gloss over um, in that, like what got us interested, why we went to St. Mike's, how it benefited us and everything from there on out. So at this point, I think we are open for questions. I don't know how to do that, though. I don't know if that's a free-for-all or if there are comments. I don't really know. I haven't been on Zoom in a while. So. I would encourage anyone to unmute and just ask their question. Okay, okay. Everybody's shy to start with. How long I'll start. Or, or, Unless someone else is going to start. How does um, and how long does 
How long does it take to become a what? I think he said OT. But we can answer for both so that everyone knows. Um, so it depends. Um, obviously, you're all at St. Mike's, so I can't, I'm not going to go the other route. But um, depending on the program, um, I think like two to three years. Um, so I did a program that went through the summer. So started in May of 2019 and no, 2017 and graduated in May of 2019. But that was six full semesters, summer, fall, spring, summer, fall, spring. Um, but I know there's other programs that still get summer breaks and stuff. So those end up being a little bit longer, but I would say on average two to three years. And Catherine, in that program, the only break you had was probably around winter or Christmas break. Yeah. So we would get um, like a month off for Christmas. And then during the other semesters, we'd get a couple weeks off. But one of those weeks was for our field work um, where you'd be in the actual field, depending on what semester we were in. It was like at a school or at a nursing home. Um, and then, yeah, I think we would get a couple weeks off in between semesters too to just relax. But the only like long break was for Christmas winter break. Sorry, Molly. Oh no, it's okay. I, mine was my program um, was about the same. Uh, it was a two and a half year program um, without really any breaks. You know, we'd have like your traditional longer. Um, like some, um, fall, spring, and then we would have a shorter, two shorter summer ones, I believe. Honestly, I can't believe I've forgotten already, but it was a full, like all year round, except for a break in, um, at Christmas time and or during the holidays. Um, and that's pretty consistent throughout like most programs, but there are others that can take up to four years. And that's usually because they do have a break in the summer and they also have longer, longer like clinical affiliation and rotations. So in, in the field of OT, is it typically typical for masters to be the terminal degree and in, in PT it's typically a doctorate degree or do I have that wrong? No, those both correct on that um i know you can go on to get like more titles in the sense that like you can go on um to become like an oncology specialist or a sports um sports medicine type specialist but it doesn't necessarily require it does require more schooling but it's doesn't increase your degree beyond like a doctorate <laughs> Yeah, and there are entry-level doctorate programs for OT. Um, so for PT, I believe anyone that becomes PT is now going to be a DPT. Um, for OT, it, it depends. So I chose to do a master's program um, because I'm not really interested in doing more research and things like that. Um, so I just chose the master's program. Um, but I work with some people that did an entry-level doctorate, so they did the same amount of school as me, but or maybe a little bit longer, but came out with a doctorate. Um, but then there are post-professional doctorates as well, um, where I believe you can go like a clinical track or a research track, um, depending on what you're interested in. Um, so like I might do that in my future right now. I don't, I don't see that. Um, but if I ever want to become a professor, then you have to get your um, doctorate. Did your programs um, like set you up for your career path? Like, did they put you into a job or did you have to kind of do that by yourself? Um, we definitely ended up having to do that on our own. Uh, what usually it, it looks like, and I'm sure Catherine's was similar, is that while you're in either a PT or OT school and you're getting close to when you're going to start going out onto your affiliations or clinical rotations, um, at least for me, I, you get to pick from like a list. You say like, I ranked it from like one to 10. This is where I want to go. And those are just to get your experience while you're in school. Um, so that just sets you up to figure out maybe what path you want to go down. 
whether you maybe want to be in a hospital or you want to be in like an outpatient clinic. Um, so in terms of does, do they steer you in the direction or help set you up for getting a job? No, not, no. Um, but they do, you know, you do get the option kind of of where you end up for your clinical rotations. I don't know if that answers your question, but. Um, yeah, so I know some of my, uh, classmates from when I graduated, like ended up getting their jobs because of our field work. Um, so once we graduated, an opening had opened up at whatever company they had been at. So I think sometimes that happens. That was only a handful of people, though. Um, but basically, yeah, I guess we didn't mention um, for OT and PT, you have a field work part of your um, grad school experience. So for OT, you have three one-week-long, or at least for my, for UNE, um, there's three one-week-long level one field works that are very kind of low-key, just learning a little bit more about different areas of the profession. And then you do two three-month-long rotations um, that one of them has to be in, like, rehabilitative um, sense of side of things, and then one can be more specialized. So I, I had friends that did, like, a hand therapy rotation. Um, I ended up doing a, a pediatric mental health rotation as my specialized one. And then I was actually at Fannie Allen for my um, rehab one for outpatient OT uh, with like neuro rehab. Um, so, but then I ended up moving to Wisconsin. So even had there been jobs available at either of those places, it wouldn't have worked out because my first place was in Maine. Um, but yeah, so I had a couple, couple peers that got set up to work at their current jobs because of their field work. Um, but other than that, if they don't set you out with the job, you have to pass your boards first, so. I believe Alyssa wants to ask a question. Yeah, so I was just wondering if both of you could speak a little bit more on what like field work and like the clinical rotations entailed as a student and like what you did. Yeah. Okay. I'm not muted anymore. Okay. <laughs> um, so what it looks like for me um, was I had to do three clinical rotations. The first one was eight weeks long and the next two were 12 weeks long. Um, my first one was in an outpatient orthopedic setting. And usually that first one it's not, it's not shadowing exactly, but for those first few weeks, it's like shadowing. You kind of watch what the, um, the, the therapist is doing, how they, um, one, how they interact with patients, but like how they do their initial evaluations, how they go, go about treating um, patients. And then gradually they start giving you more and more responsibility. So you'll be the one to go out and like greet the patient and bring them into um to do like their initial evaluation, or you'll be the one coming up with the different tests and things uh, to do. And then by the end of the first one, um, I wouldn't say you're completely, you're not completely on your own by any means, but they want you to be taking at least, like trying to take on, I think, like a half time schedule. Um, and then as you go on to the next one, so when I went on to my next 12-week one, they expect you to start up that much sooner as being the sole, like, the only provider. Um, you're never really supposed to be alone with patients, but you're supposed to have someone with you at all times. But um, you're supposed to be the, the one calling all of the shots. And that's kind of what that looks like. I can go into more detail, but I'll let Kathleen answer, too. Um, so, yeah, so like I said, we had for UNE at least, we had three one-week rotations um, that corresponded to the semester that we were in. So for the first one, uh, actually, technically it was about a week, but we did it once a week for the whole summer. Um, but they were having us just experience different places in the community. So it wasn't typically, like, it wasn't actually OT. I was actually at, like, an with an activities director um, at a nursing home. So that was really just how do you interact with people? How do you make connections? Um, and how do you like plan fun things? So for the last day of that, we planned like a fairy tale day with the residents and did like a cooking task and like all this fun stuff. Um, 
And then my next one was in a hospital. And for those week-long ones, it was really was a lot of just observation, just seeing what that setting is like, learning about the documentation, what all goes into working in that setting. Um, and then by the end of that week, you might be running like one session, but not really. Like you're kind of just giving ideas to the therapist and seeing what they do um, and trying to just challenge some of that clinical thinking and um, thinking through what you would do, even though you're not actually actively doing it. Um, and then there are two 12-week rotations um, that, similar to what Molly said, you're getting more independence with that. So I actually, in from August to November, I had my first student where I was the like clinical instructor, which was also a really weird feeling. As an OT, you can be a clinical instructor after one year of practice. Um, but that was also just crazy. Like I feel like I haven't been in this group for that long, but to know that I'm now teaching someone was a wild feeling, but very cool. Um, so the starting couple weeks of those are typically observation, just see what the setting is like, meet the caseload, meet whoever, like the coworkers who you're going to work with, who you're collaborating with. Um, and then as you go, it's expected that by the end of it, you are the sole person providing the treatment. Um, in terms of the student that I had, I was still in the room with her or I was still on the telehealth call with her. Um, but she was the one doing all of that. She was the one doing all the documentation. She was the one doing all of the evaluations and writing those up. Um, she just basically did my whole job for me. Um, so that was a really stark transition to like the, the Monday when she left, I was like, all right, I have to do my job. This is going to be strange. Um, but that's kind of what, what that looks like. And then, um, yeah, you do, you do two of those. Um, and most grad schools, my, my grad school at the time, um, had us do those kind of in the middle of our two years. So we actually had a semester back at school after we finished our second field work, which was really tough because we were like practicing OTs, like we're in the field. And then all of a sudden we're back to writing papers and doing group projects. And it was like, what is this? But they have since changed that. Um, which I think also kind of goes back to that question about like finding jobs. Um, because there was a lot of friends that were like, I could have a job, but we have to do another semester of school. Um, so hopefully something will be open in five months. But now with having, like, you'll, you'll end your time with your field work and then you just, you graduate and you're done. Um, which I think kind of gives you a better, like, slide into the, the profession, I guess. A related question, did all of, did both of your schools provide you support in finding all your field sites and, and setting those up? And and similarly, did, was there any support in finding housing in those remote locations? Um, yeah, good question. Um, so at least at UNE, they are the ones that assign your field work. Um, and actually, I think if you went out of UNE and like found your own field work, you would be taken out of the program um, for some like liability reasons because like they're the ones that are promoting you and saying like whatever. So they were very strict about that. Um, so we had a field work professor, um, like that was their, their whole job was to set up field work for us. So we gave our top five for each category. Um, and they would set that up for us. Some places for field work required interviews. I didn't have to do an interview for, either of mine. Um, and then in terms of housing, they did not help with that. So that was up to you. Um, <laughs> so I could tell a crazy story about my time in Vermont, but I won't, um, with, with the housing, it was not, not a good situation. Molly knows I stayed on her couch for a couple of days while I was figuring it out. Um, but typically I feel like you just sublet a place or if you like put places where you have family that, um, you could stay with them or stay with friends or things like that. Um, I ended up subletting a couple of places for my, my times. Thank you. Other questions?
I have uh, two questions actually, um, and they're and they're related. I'm just curious, looking back, you know, in the application process, what were the, some of the strategies that you used to um, to get in and get those observation and patient contact hours? And I'll hold the second half of the question. Um, so application process, like while we were at St. Mike's? Yeah, so leading into the um, into your application process, I know some of the schools require either observation or patient contact hours. Um, and you, you had talked about your observation hours a little bit. I work with a lot of students who are in that process and talking about where to look and how to how to find, you know, those contacts, those those places where they can um, they can get those hours. So I'm just curious what advice you might have for how a student um, leading up to their grad school applications can can work those into their schedule. Yeah, so I was lucky in that um, the place that I shadowed at, I the owner is a mutual family friend. So that helped out um, yep. not everyone opportunity. <laughs> so I would say though, like even just talking to her, I know that she is so open to like if, if she gets sent an email by a student who's interested in the profession or if, um, you know, they reach out and provide like they like give a phone call or something and leave their name. I know at least at my clinic, they're really great at giving back to mm -hmm. students. Um, we have a couple people who right now they work at, usually it's at their, our, our other location, but they also, their students like maybe at UVM or, um, there might also be high school students who know that they're interested in the PT profession and they just want to get time spent in a clinic. And so sometimes there are even just job opportunities available at other clinics where you can just be helping with like paperwork or um, helping like, it doesn't sound glamorous, but like helping clean up treatment rooms. And then if, you know, there's free time, you get to chat with therapists and have that kind of opportunity. So I'd say like, even looking up local clinics and not being afraid to just send an email if an email is provided or give a call to say like, hey, I'm, I'm going to St. Mike's, I'm interested in the profession and was just wondering if I could get some contact hours. Yeah, and that's what I did too. I just called the hospital in my hometown, um, which is where I did, I think, all of my shadowing and just said, hey, I'm a student interested in OT. And they were super open to that. And they, they were great because they they were like the OTs that contract. Like for, It's a very small town. So for the whole town, so I was able to say I'm interested in pediatrics. And they were like, okay, here's our one OT that goes to the school. You're going to work with her. Um, we'll get you contacted with her. And I think I got her email to set that up. Um, but had I been interested in outpatient, they would have set me up there. Um, so yeah, just give a call to whatever setting you're interested in, I think would be the first step. That's great. Thank you. And um, I, I love that you brought up, you know, accessing the personal network, because I think that can be overlooked sometimes. Um, that's great. So the second half of my question is sort of just in that grad school application process, what advice do you have for students who are sort of, you know, they're balancing finishing up their undergrad with applying to schools and getting their application materials together? And, you know, I've worked with some students and they have a big list. So any thoughts on, on how to balance that out, resources that you use to, um, you know, balance that out and still be present and submit, you know, really good applications? I guess that question would be more for me since mine did it after when she was working. Right. Um, I'm trying to think back to, what, five and a half years, six years ago, something like that. Um, five years ago, I guess. Um, yeah, I ended up only applying to the two schools, like I said, um, just because I was thinking of where I'd want to live and didn't want to apply to schools just to apply to schools because I was also okay with doing a gap year if I needed to. Um and yeah, I don't, that's like, it feels like a long time ago. Yeah. That wasn't really that long ago. Um, I think it's just, you know, seeing what schoolwork you have and trying to balance that. And then if you know, okay, on Fridays, like I think my senior year, I don't think I had classes on Fridays, maybe I don't remember. Um, but I think I would set aside that time to work on those applications and just knowing when those deadlines for the applications are um 
is definitely important because I know for you and e, I didn't realize it was like rolling admissions. Um, like I thought it was just due in what let's say October. Um, but it turns out it was like it was rolling admissions, so a lot of people were getting contacted already for interviews and things like that when I was like, wait, I just tried to get it in. Um, so trying to be organized with that because every school is going to have a different deadline difference in if it's rolling admissions or if it's just they get all the um, applicants on one day and that's when they start looking at them um, and then kind of triaging it from there of okay this one's the first one um, I know I think there was a common app sort of thing yeah okay yeah this it's all coming back to me now <laughs> um, like a common app sort of thing that you would fill out um, and then if there was supplementary things for the school I think you could do it through that common app um, and again like I think using the resources around you um, like having friends if they can read it's only like a 500 word essay if they can take a look at it my parents took a look at it um, and I'm pretty sure I had some of these professors as uh, help in that area too like can you help me through this or help me better this and having them as um i don't I can't think of the word now references so mm -hmm. like knowing, knowing that they would give you a strong reference if they called you um but yeah trying to set aside time where you're not thinking about your undergrad schoolwork to just focus on getting it done but knowing that you can take your time to depending on the school. Awesome. Thanks, Catherine. Um, and, and Molly, I imagine balancing uh, work with your application too is challenging. Yeah, it was, I remember it being a bit of a hassle, but um, I know like you also have to, you don't have to take your GRE, not every program requires it, but that was another aspect of um, some of the schools I was applying to required it so studying after working a full day no that's not fun um then it's it sounds like bad advice but it does it just has to get done so it does get done um and i think the biggest thing that i remember wanting to prioritize was if you are going to be asking your professors for references give them time because they're busy people and they don't love to have it you know like sprung upon them a week before it's due um, and just opening up those lines of communication as early as possible and as, as soon as you know when those are due so that you all have time on your side. Do you have any advice on giving a, on writing a, a good personal statement or application essay? Um, I would say be honest um, because they're going to be able to like recognize that this is your true story as to why you want to become an OT or whatever the, the question is, um, like right from the heart, because that's what they want in their programs. They want people that are passionate about the profession that they're going into, because otherwise, why would you be going to more school for something like this? Um, so yeah, I would say just be honest and tell your true story. Don't try to fluff it too much, because I think they can see through that too. They read a lot of a lot of those essays and I think they can pick out what like the true stories are versus this like fantastical story about whatever it may be. Yeah, I would completely agree with that. I don't have much else to add other than like you probably people always I remember sitting down and being like, I feel like I've done nothing to <laughs> to use as an example for this personal statement or this or this essay. Um, but then you can really turn, I'm not gonna, you can really turn almost any experience um, into a pretty good personal statement. A lot of the things that I did at St. Mike's, maybe they didn't specifically relate to the PT profession, but you can always pull on something, um, especially if it's something you're really excited about or passionate about, like they're gonna care more about how excited you were about like, I don't know, that specific experience than they were about if you, oh, I got in and I, you know, shadowed the best PT in the country or whatever. So just like what Catherine said, being honest and explaining why you're just passionate about it. Thank you. 
We're coming up on the hour. Is there any other last minute questions? Paul, you're muted. Oh, I was holding down the space bar, but it wasn't working. Thank you for letting me know, Molly. Everyone else was going to let me go on for about six minutes before they told me. <laughs> um, well, I was really interested to hear, in particular, Catherine say that she knew she wanted to be an OT from a young age, but decided to come to a liberal arts school anyway. So I'm wondering, just from the both of you, from your perspective with hindsight now, was it a good choice? Or would you do anything differently for your undergrad education? I 100% would do it again. Uh, St. Mike's was the perfect place for me. I met some of my best friends who are now in this wonderful profession with me, which is very cool. Um, and I just loved my experience at St. Mike's, like being involved in MOVE, getting to study abroad, um, being on a small campus where I got to really know my professors. Um, like, yeah, I wouldn't have changed anything about that. Um, and I feel like getting my degree still in six years was totally feasible and great. And I feel like talking to some of the classmates in my class that had done like the pre OT program sort of thing. It's like, yeah, they might've been a little bit more prepared in those first couple weeks because they knew the founding people that started OT and who I didn't know yet. Um, but it all kind of evens out and, um, like, you, you still learn at the same pace, regardless of if you had that OT, like pre-OT background or not, because we all took the same, the same classes. Like I still had anatomy with this awesome professor <laughs> and like we all learned all of that. And, um, we're all kind of on the same playing field. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, would not change going to St. Mike's in the heartbeat. I would completely agree. I wouldn't change anything about it. Um, not only did I meet like wonderful people and friends and professors and people that I'm still in touch with to this day, uh, but like I had said earlier, just not having to go through a specific like pre-PT program um, and having that opportunity to take like ecology classes and evolution and things that you wouldn't maybe traditionally think that you'd be taking if you're going to be going into a medical career um, has like, yeah, I don't know, even anecdotally has made it so that I can communicate with my, my patients so much better. I can talk about things other than just your P, like PT things and, and their body. And so I think that all of the different opportunities I had to take liberal arts courses just has made me feel like, a much more well-rounded student and PT in general. So I wouldn't change it at all. And Molly, when you said you sometimes have old patients that tell you you're too young to be doing what you're doing, was one of those patients Dr. Weaver? <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, definitely not. Oh, I, w I was so happy when she was assigned to me. Or I, yeah, and so It worked out so perfectly. It was, I was immediately comfortable with her. <laughs> Yeah, that's the great thing about working with kids. They think that you're way older than you are. Like they don't realize that you know nothing yet. So it's great. <laughs> well, we can't thank you enough, both of you, for for joining us and sharing your wisdom um, and your experiences. I I'm very so happy for both of your successes, and um, and I I hope that um, that we can continue to stay in touch as we have been. And I, I see people are, are doing the little clapping symbols. So, uh, you know, like uh, that, that that's basically where we're at. So thank you so much. Thank um, you, guys. I think the one thing I want to say is I, ha I know that um, Professor Weaver has my contact information. So if there's anyone who I'm not going to say you, they have to reach out to you to get my, that information, but if anyone wanted to reach out, if they had questions afterwards or are potentially interested in coming in and shadowing, um, definitely feel free to reach out. Yes, and, and I, yeah, I'm happy to share that with anyone who, who would like that information. And, and um, um, yeah, 
and in, in fact, the SXPT website lists your contact info, and I think Catherine, the same for you, right? Yeah, it's I'm kind of trickier to find on that website, but um, but I, I have the I, I have the yeah. I, I yeah. do have the contact info, and I'm happy to share it. <clears throat> so again, thank you so much.